0: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in South Bend, Indiana, and across from me in the virtual studio in Portland, Oregon, is the man whose innovative inventions include the edible crayon, caffeine-free pumpkin spice soda, and the little A within the circle around it, the symbol that means at in your email address, Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers. Hello, Deacon.
1: Hey, Ken. How you doing today, my friend? (laughs) I am
0: great. Thank you.
1: Well, obviously, I've been busy (laughs) inventing (laughs) things.
0: (laughs) I have no clue how you have time to preach the gospel, given all that thinking you're clearly doing as a creative man. But that's Uh, what this world needs. More creative people, just like you, Deacon.
1: uh, uh, (laughs) so true. So how have things been going for you there, Ken?
0: Things are good. Uh, school is back in session. We've had our, uh, we're back to the football season. Uh, yeah, things are things are good. I'm actually um, hoping to be able to do a little bit of travel myself. Uh, an upcoming trip to hopefully to uh, England to do some video interviews ahead of our NJMV day um award but i can't announce it yet because it's not public uh but on respect life sunday every year you know we announce the following year's evangelium vitae notre dame evangelium vitae medal award winner and uh so we are excited to be able to do that that's going to be on the first sunday in october with the announcement will become public who it's going to be So and hopefully right after that, we will be traveling to go um, do some filming to put together a video that profiles the honoree. So I uh, hope to take to the skies like you've been able to do, I know, of late in your travels.
1: Well, at least you get to go out of the country. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully <laughs> right yeah that's yeah, the I'm not i mean be of course do that this year oh wow yeah
0: yeah well it's uh we'll see if it if it happens some of this of course obviously depends upon travel restrictions and the delta variant and all that kind of stuff so continue to pray for you know safety and for health um, for everybody around the world because we'd like to get past this we'd like to get back to you know some semblance of a normal life right
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, And I'm from one of looking forward to uh, going back again overseas.
0: Well, maybe I'll be able to tell you how it is. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Awesome. So, Deacon, we have been having a wonderful conversation over these last number of weeks about Pope John Paul II's encyclical on the gospel of life called Evangelium Vitae. Uh, written in 1995, um, this was an incredible touchstone uh, document on the the gospel of life from beginning to end of life. And, you know, even as I mentioned, you know, the University of Notre Dame, we award every year the Notre Dame Evangelium Vitae Medal, which is named after this encyclical. So it's had incredible uh, effects. I mean, and here we are talking about this wonderful encyclical 25 years 25 plus years later. Um, And so you and I have had a wonderful opportunity to read through every paragraph and discuss this. And we're coming upon the last few conversations that we're gonna have on this. And we're gonna pick up tonight's conversation with paragraph 95, which is, walk as children of light, bringing about a transformation of culture. And that's where we're gonna pick up our conversation right now.
1: Yeah, and in that paragraph, the Holy Father says, what is urgently called for is a general mobilization of consciences and a united ethical effort to activate a great campaign in support of life. All together, we must build a new culture of life. Um, And he says this so we can be prepared to confront the contemporary challenges um, that are facing uh, a culture of life. And, you know, you said 25 plus years ago, um, you know, looking forward now, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we still have work to do. A <laughs> lot. No right. Exactly. We exactly. still have work to do informing forming consciences and, and um, uh, having people understand the beauty of truth when it comes to a culture of life. There's been even um, some deeper controversies now over, you know, the vaccine and the use of embryos and things like that. And even with the in vitro fertilization, I mean, there's still these issues That are still in the forefront. And so, uh, you know, we need to still as a church and as a people of God, not only continue to form our conscience, but help the culture form a conscience where the common good, you know, the good of all or everyone deserves an opportunity uh, to life.
0: Yeah, and I think what I love about this paragraph and this idea is that that transformation of culture actually begins right here with me. It begins with each and every individual Christian. We have to commit to building a new culture of life, starting with ourselves. And you know, he goes on in this paragraph to say that um, that believers even those who take an active part in the life of the church end up by separating their christian faith from its ethical requirements concerning life and this is the real kind of you know the the ancient challenge right is that it's one thing to preach the gospel and it's but that needs to be lived out and it needs to be lived out by each and every one of us who proclaims to believe in this gospel we can't let our actions be separated from what we proclaim and invite people to believe, um, and so that means that we ourselves have to reinvigorate our commitment to life, even within the church. And at the same time, we then need to enter into dialogue with others, including non-believers, about these basic issues of human life. How many times have we seen, in great public debates of late, you know the cha- the the charges that certain public Christians, public Catholics don't proclaim and follow what they, what the church teaches, you know, and this becomes a great source of scandal, both to those outside the the church and even to those of us inside the church. And it's especially a big challenge. We've talked many times during our, our conversations in, about this encyclical about politicians, but it's not politicians. It's Each and every one of us needs to reinvigorate our commitment to the gospel of life. And that's what John Paul is encouraging us to to do in this section.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, he's also talking about reestablishing the essential connection between life and freedom and freedom and truth. You know, (laughs) two, two very, very important things there. The establishment between life and freedom. Because, you know, we, we talk about fighting for freedom and, and, and uh, fighting for rights of people, you know. And the people that are often most forgotten are, are the unborn, uh, partly because right. our conscience aren't formed well enough to even consider them to be people in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, so right there, there's a problem. And he famous line that, that John Paul teases, love as a sincere gift of self is what gives the life and freedom of a person their truest meaning. You know, so I love that, that love is a sincere gift. Um, So the gift of life is also a gift of love, you know? And so we're not supporting life, we're not loving in the way that God intends us to love. And uh, again, with the causes formation is the recovery, he says, of the necessary link between freedom and truth. is that when freedom is detached from objective truth, it becomes impossible to establish personal rights, which is so true, because now it becomes subjective. You know, right. truth just becomes whatever I decide it to be, and it's my decision about what truth is that, that actually could determine whether somebody lives or dies. You know, e- euthanasia, sister suicide, abortion—those, th- those are scary uh, propositions. And now, you know, looking even further ahead from from where we are today, looking at what John Paul II is saying, I'm thinking about things like, you know, artificial intelligence, and um, what's the thing—combining human um, bodies with mechanical ones.
0: Oh uh, yeah. You know,
1: um, uh, so I mean, it, and these are things actually, Cardinal Sarah talks about in his new book that was just released was actually talks about marriage, but I got a chance to review the book is outstanding. Um, but then there, he gives a, a, a grave warning about what's coming down the road. Cause he's talking about life, the culture of life within marriage. And he talks about these combining these bio, I forget what the name is, these biotechnology combining human and, and mechanical uh, beings and mixing human DNA with mechanical parts and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's a scary proposition. So we always have to be diligent and aware of these realities and not stop fighting the fight for truth and freedom for all.
0: Wow. Yeah, I know um, that's something that the Pontifical Academy for Life has been having conversations about in the last couple of years is this idea of both, you know, kind of chimeras where they're connecting different species together, as well as then, as you say, kind of the the idea of artificial intelligence and and transhumanism and things like that these are that's questions it transhumanism. That, transhumanism. that's the word i was looking for thank you ken
1: there you go absolutely
0: yeah um there's a phrase that the holy father uses in this paragraph 96 that i find very encouraging and that is again you you talked about the idea of truth and freedom and kind of life and and freedom, freedom and truth, he talks about there's no true freedom where life is not welcomed in love, and there is no fullness of life except in freedom. Both realities have something inherent and specific which links them inextricably, the vocation to love. And it's that idea, the vocation to love, this is what we are called to do, right? In freedom, we are called to actually express love and charity towards all. Much like we say at the top of the, of, of the show, right, uh, of Living Stones, we say, so that we can express love and, and charity towards all. But also in truth, that, you know, Pope Benedict wrote a, wrote a wonderful encyclical, you know, on speaking about the truth in love, you know, caritas and veritate, uh, charity and truth. This is a phrase also that we use here at the, at, at the Nicholas Center. We have a wonderful women's reflection group that meets each week and reflects on the true femininity and that group is called vocation to love and that phrase comes directly here from pope john paul ii i love it
1: oh that that's awesome that's awesome yeah that's that's great and and that's these are the kinds of things that we that we need to continue to be doing and that's why the d nicholas center is so important you know um when people ask, well, where, you know, where are Catholic universities in all of this? You know, where, where how are they helping to form the, the consciousness of the next generation uh, of Catholics? You know, because we, of course, we have, you know, it's supposed to be happening at the home and in the parishes, but what about our, our institutions of higher learning? Mm. And I think uh, the D. Nicholas Center is a, a wonderful example that uh, forming consciousness in this beautiful tradition that John Paul II talks about is alive and well. You know, uh, thanks to, to the efforts of, there by so many people.
0: Yeah, and it is. It's a it's a project that forms out of community. You know, the you know here in my office that, at the De Center at the University of Notre Dame. Yes, we form an intellectual and spiritual community uh, of wonderful faculty, staff, students from across the entire university, too. It's not just not just within theology, right? It's not just within the you know College of Arts and Letters, but it truly is interdisciplinary because, you know, and this is one of the things that, that the Holy Father and certainly the, the Church would point out is that God's truth is one. God is... God creates all truth and it all points back to the creator himself. And so we have to um, take these little shards of truth and connect them together to reflect and point back to the creator himself. That's what the, what the beauty of universities do. And to make disciples at every level and to, to lead people to Christ. That's the goal. So,
1: Well, and absolutely, again, so important because look what sometimes happens on a college campus. <laughs> yeah, let's right. be real here. You they know, the, be- the kinds of debauchery that goes on there with young people um, and uh, where they don't think of their bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, and, and so what a wonderful opportunity. Um, I, you know, I, I had a, a young man on my show, um, Brendan C- McCauley, uh, who I met speaking at a, um, a a youth apologetics camp in Idaho and he's someone that um, uh, comes out of the Theology to Body Institute. And uh, oh, yeah. but he, right now he's working um, uh, at a secular university in the Pacific Northwest uh, in the campus ministry department. And he talks about this challenge and the things that he's been doing to bring deeper awareness, not just to the Catholics on campus, but to the the whole um, community there of, of young men and women. And the the events that they're doing, especially because they're located, he said, his office is located in the midst of the the Greek houses. Uh, oh you know, yeah. Uh, so uh, the work that they've been doing to attract people to even be interested in the event that they're doing, that are talking about these very important issues. So I'm like, I was, I was like, congratulations to you, man. Well, how creative,
0: right, you know? And, right. and
1: that's that's rolling up your sleeves and getting in the midst of there and having. Deep, engaging conversations with young people about the meaning, not only of their bodies, but ultimately the meaning of life itself. And I think this is the work that John Paul uh, is encouraging us to continue.
0: Yeah. Well, and as you see here, paragraph 97 is all about that. Closely connected with the formation of conscience, he says, is the work of education, which helps individuals to be ever more human, leads them ever more fully to the truth, instills in them growing respect for life and trains them in right interpersonal relationships. This entire paragraph is talking about um, authentic meaning of sexuality as self-gift. It talks about training married couples in responsible procreation so that they might, as he says, you know, control their impulses and respect the biological laws inscribed in the human person. And then he says we must educate persons to understand the mystery of suffering and death as connected to love given and received. This paragraph 97 is a beautiful piece of of writing in which we see John Paul encouraging us to reflect on the full meaning of the gospel of life and how it truly is forming people for discipleship and to appreciate the beauty of God's creation. So I really want to call people's attention to read paragraph 97 in a, in a way that, uh, is going to really, I think it, it'll enlighten each of our call. And that means that those of us who are married couples have the responsibility and have, yeah, we have the responsibility and the call to give the gift of our witness to this truth as well. Um, and of course, you know, those who are formally involved in education need to use all of their gifts to proclaim the fullness of the truth about the the meaning of the body. And uh, so I think this is a wonderful kind of reflection here by the Holy Father in paragraph 96
1: on that. Yeah, absolutely. And he even talks about the training of married couples and responsible procreation. You know, yep. so yep. Here, here's the Pope, not afraid to talk about the the, the the tough issues, you know, that's uh, right. Exactly. Today. Um, but again, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, for our parish, in fact, I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been doing marriage prep, obviously via zoom, uh, during the past year or so. And it's a requirement for us that the couples go through, uh, NFP class, not with me. I, I do the, the, the marriage preparation, but then separate and apart from that is a NFP class that they have to take. Um, and I explained because if one of the couples, the um, groom to be, was not Catholic, um, so I was explaining to him why this is important. He's marrying a Catholic, um, and so the church has certain expectations. But just for him to know that um, you know that when we talk about um, natural family planning, it's not Catholic roulette. <laughs> you know that would, like so right, many right. Uh, non-Catholics like to probably some Catholics too like to describe that as. Um, so I and I and, and so yeah, he's 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 open it. He's gonna he's gonna be taking the class and hopefully, you know, he'll come to see um the truth and the beauty. Not only, you know, hopefully I've laid the groundwork, <laughs> but then he sees the, the fullness of, of the beauty uh, of the church's wisdom in this area. Um wow. you know, and, and not using uh he said the church is grateful the personal sacrifice uh and the dedication of those who devote themselves to study. Uh, of the different um, methods used in, um, in in regulating birth, um, so and and not just saying you know and not, and not just defaulting to the easy position of just uh, using contraception, right? You know, um, right. Being confused about the 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 means justifies the end, you know. Um, so again, some deep wisdom here from the Holy Father. Yeah.
0: Now, paragraph ninety-eight. Um, kind of is wonderful as well, because this is, again, this entire section is about transforming the entire culture. And he says, in a word, one could say that the cultural change which we are calling for demands from everyone the courage to adopt a new lifestyle consisting in making practical choices at the personal, family, social, and international level on the basis of a correct scale of values. The primacy of being over having of the person over things. This, the th- this is the call, right? Being over having. So, I mean, what are the practical sides to that idea? Being over having include um, realizing that the gift of life itself is more important than being able to have a, you know the newest car or the newest iPhone you know it's like oh i want the the latest the latest technical innovations and i want to always be at the cutting edge and i'll i'll be honest i run this challenge all the time i mean i'd love to have all the latest gadgets and and toys and things like that and certainly there's been times in my life when i have always been at that cutting edge and then i realized well actually if i didn't always be per- if i wasn't always pursuing those sorts of things and spending money on on those sorts of things then i can have the ability to make charitable donations and i can you know be able to support the the homeless person who asks me for a dollar you know and things like that it's like well no i'm not saving my money so that i can get a brand new iphone i'm actually helping feed this person right here right here in front of me who need out of my out mm-hmm. of my charity but also out of my responsibility towards him in christ and so being over having the person over things is what the Holy Father is calling us to embrace.
1: Yeah, and, th- and this is the fruit of, the f- of conscience formation,
0: right.
1: right? Moving to that next level of active thinking and being, where there's not just a, um, you know, thinking about these issues, but now you're living from these issues. And, and right after that, he says, it's from moving from indifference to concern from others, from reflection to acceptance, and that's the whole thing is, is when you give yourself away in love that you truly find yourself in God. Yes. And, and I think that's the whole key to, to this developing a culture of life. And later in that same paragraph, he talks about intellectuals. He mm-hmm. um, said so the special task falls to Catholic intellectuals who are called to be present and active in the teaching centers where culture is formed in schools and universities, places of scientific and technolo- technological research. Of artistic creativity and the study of man. So again, the Nicola Center, right down your alley, right? <laughs> uh, exactly what the Holy Father is calling for. And even efforts now, I know that there's a, um, I forget his name, but there's a um, Filipino uh, Dominican priest who is a microbiologist.
0: Oh, Father working, Nick Ostriaco, OP.
1: Is that what he's He's developing, yeah. working on a vaccine right. uh, against that's uh, based COVID that's. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So, see, yeah,
0: Father v- Nick is a uh, Father Nick is a very good friend of the De Nicola Center. He's taught at our Vita Institutes in the summer, our pro-life intellectual uh, formation programs, uh, and he's yeah, he's in the Philippines, and he's he's trying to create a vaccine that again has no moral, you know, no um, even tiny touch of of kind of morally questionable um, creation, but then also as something that, that will be able to last in hot environments. Because if you think about it, the vaccines that we have have to be refrigerated and kept cold chained and all that kind of stuff because they're, they're very fragile. And he's trying to create something using every gift that God has given him as a scientist and as, and as also as a believer to put all of his gifts at the service of and healing, and it, it's amazing. He's a wonderful, wonderful fellow.
1: Uh, excellent. See, and these are the kind of efforts we need to be promoting and encouraging. You know, um, yeah. I was saying uh, in a recent homily that uh, the state of California recently handed out about $230 million in research grants for stem cells, and they were granted to 14 different um, institutions, but 10 of the 14 10 of the 14 only work with adult stem cells (laughs) and everybody's wait a minute wait a minute i thought the future was embryonic stem cells no right embryonic stem cells are 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 not stable um and they often become cancerous that's why there hasn't been any um uh diseases currently being treated with uh with stem cells there's 73 that are being treated currently today 73 currently being treated with adult stem cells because wow. you were talking about your skin we're Pray. talking about um if you're a woman umbilical cord blood you know we're talking about bone marrow you know i mean it, it, so god has already given us a way to be able to deal with some of these things and you know uh, but, but again because man has to try to play god you know we have to again not respecting life when god has given us everything that we need so i am hopeful um uh, that father can come up with a with a a, a vaccine and in fact i I, I, you know, with, imagine if, if, if people put money and effort behind what he was doing, would right. I mean, he come up with it with something a lot sooner? Because I'm right. sure people look like, ah, what are you doing that for? You waste your time. We already got a couple of vac- vaccines out there already, and he's he's still pushing forward. And so we need to support him absolutely.
0: And this is exactly what the Holy Father is calling for in, in this section about transforming the the entire culture based upon the talents and gifts that God has given each and every one of us. And he actually tells us here in this paragraph also that nobody is excluded from the work of building the culture of life. Each and every one of us has our part to play. And that's what we need to discern and then trust that God will give us the opportunities and and continue to call us to do this work, which is to build a culture of life and love that uh, that doesn't view other people as as enemies, but rather as brothers and sisters who are all created in the image and likeness of God. So, Deacon, we've actually run out of time again. But next week, when we come together, we are going to read the last few paragraphs of this wonderful encyclical by john paul ii so until then we invite you to connect with us on facebook you can do so by typing in living stones media every week we have new listeners join our little our little happy band on facebook and we'll be putting some links up to wonderful documents and things like that but until we gather next week deacon might we have a blessing
1: May Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living
1: Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to MaterDayRadio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I Radio.com.